You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. We were recently at Dragon Con 2015, where Stephanie and I were on a panel with other fans to discuss Killjoys. And our friend Kevin Batchelder from Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV, that's a podcast, you should check them out. He was nice enough to record the panel, and we thought we would share it here on the podcast. I I don't know about you, Chris, but I think we had some really nice discussion, and we got lots of input from the audience. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, too. It was it was a good time. And it was great to meet Sarah, who was the other panelist on, on the Killjoys panel that we hadn't met before. So, hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. So Annie wasn't able to join us for the panel, but I was wondering, Annie, if you had been there, what was what what do you think the big thing would have been that you wanted to say about Killjoys? Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't attend the panel since I was running around Dragon Con. I wanted to be there. But my big thing, I don't know, just that I really love this show because it's so fun and has such great characters, it has great character building moments, and it left off on a really good cliffhanger, so I can't wait till next season, and yay, Juicy, Lucy, and John. <laughs> I, I actually had a really cool thing that I want to see next season, is that I want to see Tamsin McDonough, who plays, the, who's the voice of Lucy, I want to see her, like, manifest, like, physically, like, maybe Lucy will manifest as a hologram or something like that, and have interaction with Johnny. I think that would be fun. You're not but, the only uh, person who wants to see that. I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it online a lot. Yeah. And I think it got mentioned on the panel too, mm-hmm. didn't it, Chris? I think so, yeah. And just to add to all your voices, how how awesome Dutch is. So There was a guy who came up to me after the panel was over asking, like, do you think that Lucy might become sentient or something like that? And like, I yeah. don't know, maybe. That's a possibility for sure, because she seems to be a bit more than just a computer. She seems to have preferences and relationships and things like that so it could be a, a storyline we'll i think see. that was my comment is are, are we sure she isn't already that's true uh, yeah maybe she or might it could be. be a fluke it happens one episode through some you know weird cer- set of circumstances but i would like to see that but here is the panel from dragon con and we hope you enjoy it hello everyone <laughs> welcome to the killjoys panel <laughs> which i will you know, kind of subtitle the Dutch Appreciation Society, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, my name is Kevin Batchelder, and I'm going to let our panelists introduce themselves before we get started. Hi, I'm Sarah Abbas. <laughs> Big fan of the show. Uh, my name is Chris Kwan. I co-host a podcast about Killjoys called The Quad. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> uh, my name is Stephanie Bieber. I also co-host a podcast about Killjoys called The Quad. <laughs> and I'm supposed to plug that uh, we are doing a fundraising drive for to raise money to fight lymphoma. You can donate over at the table over there. If you don't, I think the suggested donation is $2. If you donate a little more, you get a sparkly green ribbon instead of just a plain green ribbon. And why wouldn't you want a sparkly green ribbon? And they also wanted me to mention the... What's game that? Show of Thrones. Thank you. The Game Show of Thrones, which is a fun kind of match game type activity, I've heard. It's a little bit of everything. Okay. So, but I'm told it's a lot of fun. So if you want to sign up for that, there's sign-up sheets kind of behind this big median blocky thingy there. <laughs> Very descriptive. Uh, Thank you. That's right. To the point. Uh, all right. Well, obviously you folks are fans of the show. Uh, 
awareness, if you're not already, the show has been renewed for a season two, in case for those not So it's really a case, I think, of uh, talking about what we see as, as the, the best parts of the show. So I'd be curious, uh, Sarah, if you want to talk about kind of how you got hooked on it, what you see as the best part of the show. I got hooked on the show pretty much right from the basic description of Space Bounty Hunters, <laughs> which uh, made me immediately think of kind of Firefly and that Western feel, and so I was super excited to see it. So right from the beginning, I was hooked, and then I loved the universe and <coughs> the character building, plus I love kick-ass main female characters, so that was that was my main draw right from the, right from the start. And then I recruited people, I think right after the first episode, I texted my mother, who got me into sci-fi from the beginning, I was like, you've got to watch this show, it's like a mashup of, of uh, Firefly, and I don't think anyone else gets this, uh, Firefly and Farscape. <laughs> that, was, that was it, that was, that was my hook. Um, what about you guys? I think my favorite part of the show so far is is Dutch and Johnny. That relationship is so great. Because actually, the 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 bounty hunters in space tagline, I mean, fine, but that's not enough to draw me in. But Michelle Loretta, production team behind Orphan Black, I'm I'm like I'm in. That sounds good to me. That's all I need. <laughs> Yeah, for me, certainly keeping up on what sci-fi channel is doing, that they're trying to get back to more core, real sci-fi. When, real sci-fi. You know, when they had this one announced in Dark Matter coming around the same time, I was like, well, let's definitely take a look and see where it goes. And, uh, you know, I watch a lot of sci-fi for our Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast, naturally. So I try a lot of stuff, don't always stay with it. So with Killjoy's... You know, that first step, that scene with Dutch taking out all those guards and the music, that's on a loop on my desktop. Yeah, I'm kind of similar to Chris. Like, Space Bounty Hunters is like, oh, is this going to be a Firefly ripoff? That's kind of middling. But uh, Michelle Avretta, I love. I'm a huge Lost Girl fan. And I think really what the show has going for is such such a rich world and dynamic characters. We have our three leads who are great, but then we we have all these amazing supporting characters as well who don't just show up once and we never see them again. Even like a character, I'm blanking on his name right now, but the one of the guards for the company, yeah. like suddenly in the finale, he's like this yeah. really nuanced character. It's like, yeah. who saw that coming? Pills. Pills, yeah, thank you. Helps. And and yeah, so I just, I love the characters on the show. You even give them good nicknames, don't you? Thank you. Yes, if I refer to Hunky <laughs> Monk, I'm talking about Alvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see his tweet about the Yes. Yes. <laughs> share. 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 You got to share. Essentially, uh, he posted, right when Kildrez was announced that it was being renewed, he posted something about, I've got to stop eating the Doritos now because I can't be Chunky Monk for next time. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually call himself Chunky Monk? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> I yes. I it was, it was, I need to put down, or I guess I should put down this Dorito-covered 3G's pizza <laughs> oh. and do a push-up or something. Hashtag yes. Chunky Monk. Oh. That's what I That makes me so happy. I didn't see the hashtag. Oh, <laughs> Always read the hashtag. I didn't click through. I should have clicked through. Okay. <laughs> now, I know for me, sir, Certainly, like I said, I certainly Dutch was was very engaging, and some of the fun character bits kind of had me in the first couple episodes. But as you're mentioning, it really was the depth of the story and the relationships that all of a sudden turned this from just kind of a fun thing that you might watch and 
then kind of let go to something where we were doing a lot more time spending on where is it going to go. So I'm curious to hear some thoughts on, you know, from the plot where you think we're kind of going. Oh, I was actually curious what you just said made me wonder. Can I ask a question? Sure. First? Yeah. Like, I kind of agree. Like in the beginning, it felt kind of like, oh, this is a fluffy, fun sci-fi show. And then suddenly it's like, oh, they're, they're tackling some pretty heavy stuff here. And I was wondering what episode for y'all maybe switched your thinking on the show. If it did, maybe you still think it's a fun, fluffy sci-fi show. Glitch in the system. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Which is the one where. Oh, that's where they, they, they get uh, on the spaceship and then, um, uh, uh, Davin's tortured with all of the corrector nanites in there that yep. then rebuild him. That was, that was pretty much it. Oh, just a straight turning point. Yeah. 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 That episode. Yeah. No more fluff. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly you are heartbroken. <laughs> so glitch in the system? That's a, yeah, definitely a point. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when, um, I think maybe it was just a little before that. Was that the one when we first saw that, uh, whatever it was called, like the genetic bomb or whatever that was? Mm-hmm. One more, that was yeah. the one after that, actually. Was it after that? Okay. That was well, I mean, I think. yeah. When they, when they use that and I thought about the implications of that on a larger scale, like, whoa, okay, this is not just some little shoot 'em up stuff. It's going to have bigger, yeah. Because they're not dropping stuff that they're not eventually going to bring back later in the season. So. That was amazing. That was amazing. Amazing in the finale how they like pulled in all of these threads that they'd introduced yeah. throughout mm-hmm. the seasons. Like, yeah. fantastic! This was, is amazing. Everything yeah. was relevant from mm-hmm. Sugar Point to yeah. the, the genetic bomb. Every single episode they had made up until that point was tied in somehow to the finale. It was interesting. I'd actually seen some commentary online. Somebody was criticizing the show because there were all these. They were like, all, all these plot points get brought up and then immediately dropped, and I'm just kind of like. Oh, you wait. <laughs> come back by the end of the season. Wasn't that on Rotten Tomatoes? I don't know. I, think I don't remember. reading a review on Rotten Tomatoes or someone was complaining. They were like, the first five episodes are all fluff. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with fluff. I don't no. want to say that. There's no. nothing wrong with fluff. No, nothing there. But you're right. That's where it started to turn. They're just lulling you. Yes, the false sense of it security is. and fluff was there. Well, and it, we all know we're it too. Like, now we, now they're like, now we have you. Now we'll break your heart. Fluff gets you attached. Yeah. Yes. Well, that did. I mean, again, Dutch, the first episode. I thought, okay, I'm back. I'm back, and, and then all of a sudden, I'm caring more and more. Yes. Yeah. So, if the first five episodes are all fluff, though, what about five? Yeah. In the second episode, you will get this box. You will have a task. Yeah. It's a knife. Go kill someone. Yeah. Yeah. Not not, not fluff at all. And also eventually bring it back. Darker elements. But I I felt like on the whole, like the main plot line of the episode was fairly like fun. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But of of course, darker elements, even from the first episode. Ominous. And the plot line in the box was a red herring. Because for me, it was just a fluffy little show that glued together defiance and dark matter. And it was a way to kill that nine to ten hour. And and that box, I really didn't think anything of it. Oh, climb. Ooh, evil. Just to keep me supernally to you so you'll think there's something deep to this show. And But it's really not. We just want you to stay here for dark matter. And and we had that turning point. I'm like, Well, it also threw me off a little because that same act... That same actor had a guest role on Dark Matter. Dark Matter. So it, we're just figuring out what he is here, and I see him here, and I'm kind of, you know, so yeah, it really brought it back for me. Seeing that. The evil perfect hair. <laughs> and his beautiful clothes. Like, yeah. he's always. Anyway. No, go ahead. Well, 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 all right. I love the composition of the panel, and I love Killjoys and Dark Matter and Defiance. Can, would the three of you ladies speak about how sci-fi is, uh, along with Orphan Black on BBC America, 
having strong women characters as the leads, like Hannah Cam and John, is amazing. Oh. Melissa. It's her birthday today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, it's her birthday. birthday. Oh, Hannah's? Yeah. Yay! Yeah. I wish I could be a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I said it. <laughs> and, you know, I know um, the, the Orphan Black is very, very, very strong. Michelle Labretta, I mean, she is doing amazing work, you know. Can y'all talk as women about how cool it is to see, uh, you know, the, the women doing it? You know, like, especially, and I hate to go into it, but Dark Matter, if you saw the finale, it was all about you. Um, well, so I've been into sci-fi since I was little. My father tricked us into believing that Star Wars were the only movies that were made before Hollywood decided not to make movies. Oh, we believed up until we were about six, me and my sisters. Um, so I grew up on sci-fi, but you're right. It's uh, Up until recently, you've not had, like, in at least hardcore sci-fi, like, I'm thinking Sam Carter was one of, like, the first yeah. Yeah. female role models I had in these sci-fi mm-hmm. shows. Um, and so the the increase in these main characters who are women who are strong um is is been amazing for me uh just to see it and 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 experience that and be like i can relate to you and you're not afraid of both being a woman and badass and um and she wears these amazing dresses like the one (laughs) yeah Yeah. awesome cosplay in the first row here yes take a look Nicely done. Like like this, and it still kicks ass, and isn't afraid to kick ass better than the boys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and is unapologetic for it, um, which is which is awesome and amazing um, to see. And I'll let the other. I mean, I've also been watching sci-fi <laughs> basically as long as I can remember. I think I, my dad showed me Blade Runner when I was like eight or something. Yeah. Which, uh, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I love all the sci-fi stuff going on, especially that you know, finally women main characters, more of them, and uh, yeah, Dutch is so great though because. In in the vein of Michelle Labretta's other show, Lost Girl, they got this main character that's both strong and vulnerable, and that's it. all these other it's basically pretty. yes <laughs> allowed to be like many <laughs> multi dimensional. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I really feel like the great thing about those those three shows is that you have. Women who aren't just a badass, not that that's not fun and entertaining to watch, but for a while it felt like whenever I'd watch a movie, that was just shorthand for like, oh, we have a strong female character, we're going to have her beat up a dude. That doesn't make a fully rounded character. That's just, yeah, that's that's not how that works, guys. And so, like like Chris was saying, what I love about Dutch is, like, yes, she's a badass, but she's not a hard ass. Like, she's not an isolated person who can't connect with people, because I feel like I see that a lot, too. And then Orphan Black is just amazing. We have all these different women of all different uh, personalities, yeah, and how they interact with each other. And I also really love that on, on Dark Matter and um, and Killjoys that we have the the female leads are are also people of color, which is something that we don't have a lot of either. Sadly, <laughs> it's that's a good point too, because what's one of the reoccurring themes of the show is Dutch's compassion. 
it keeps coming up over and over and over again how she doesn't want to take kill warrants and how she doesn't like killing people unless she has to. And even more importantly, the way she relates to the people, like in, a, in episode two, the Sugar Point run, when Davin is escalating that situation when they break into the house and, and, and Dutch kind of stops it by taking Davin out and then helping the family that's living there. And it's, it's just this ongoing theme of her compassion, which helps her become this fully rounded person. She's got all of this stuff in her past that they allude to or haven't been alluding to up until that point. Um, but, but you're seeing that she didn't want to do it, which I think is really, really great. And I think there's a question in the back. I love that scene where she was in the bed with Johnny and reading the book. Yes. yes. <laughs> that family thing. Yeah, the bond. It's just so cool because it's brought in to show on like siblings and brothers. It's like they got along so well. Did people over here hear, hear what she said? No. She was saying that she really loved the scene with Dutch and Johnny when they were lying in bed reading a comic book together, getting to see them be having found them uh, siblings more so than maybe Johnny Phil's siblingship. That's not a word, but we're going to make it one with uh, <laughs> with Davin. So, and yeah, that's a fantastic scene. It's it's I love when they kick their feet together. Yes. That like because if you think about it, how many people do you let touch your feet? Not that many. Like you, it's just like the amount of intimacy i'm not talking like sexual just you know a relationship intimacy that you have was perfectly shown in that moment where they just kind of kick each other's feet so playfully oh so many hands um <laughs> you sir the, i think that with johnny you know you look at him and you think well he's a he's a weak character compared to the other two at first glance but if you look at it his devotion to Dutch is at a completely different level. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not romantic. He's not there with her because, you know, he's chasing her. He's just supporting her like a sibling. Um, and with, with trust. And the, the taller, you know, more apparently confident soldier brother, Davin, isn't the confident one. He just looks like he should be. Yeah. And it's it's just a, it's a really nice dichotomy there. Yeah, it makes you look below the surface. It's what, you know, first instinct is, is the tall, handsome one. He's going to be the big, macho, strong one in all the situations. And you realize, as we learned, it can't always be that way. I was actually having a conversation with somebody yesterday about why they should watch the show. And because they'd, they'd watched the first episode or two and, and just couldn't get into it because of they felt the characters were too stereotyped. And I was like, but they're setting up these stereotypes to basically completely destroy them by the end of the season. It's like, this is what you think they're going to be, but that's not what they are. It's like Davin is going to be the damsel in distress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I was actually thinking about the fact that on the show, Johnny really plays the role that usually a female character would play on most shows. And I love that. He's the glue that holds the group together. Yeah, he's he's really yeah he's the he's the binding. Yes, ma'am. I, I was actually just gonna say that thing, same thing. Uh, his emotional intelligence is miles and leagues above both Davin and Dutch's. Like where he's like, you guys need to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not going to work. Uh, something I read, like Joss Whedon said a long time ago, uh, when everyone the audience care a lot, he would put below in danger, and it's like, mm-hmm. who do we care the most about? Johnny, Johnny. Care when the heart is in danger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He has more rapport with the ship 
Yeah, yeah, we haven't even talked about. We haven't talked about Lucy. Yeah. Johnny, you know, occupies is traditionally been given to female characters, but he's doing like killer work. So that's always the thing. The same thing. I don't need to be in charge. Somebody else. Oh, you're doing it so well. Go ahead. I like it's not me. I love what everybody has said so far because this has quickly become my favorite show. I love how you said Firefly and Farscape because those are my two favorite shows. Yes. But I think one thing that hasn't been talked about yet is just the world building. So I love how there's a planet with three moons, you know, and how different cast in society and how that all works. So it does very become very deep in the different religions, the different you know, sort of all these different elements because of this, you know, this planet that has three moons. I think that's another wonderful deepness to it. Oh my god, I was like, there's there's like social stratification, there's commentary on gender, there's religion, it's like, oh, I'm going to be in my bunk with this room, you know? In the story, there was no real big dump of world building, they just no. put pieces yeah. and pieces yeah. uh, throughout like, the episodes. So, so they did make a very helpful blog post, which I do still refer to sometimes. <laughs> but that's my favorite thing, that they, they don't basically start out here's this planet, and here's what happened to this planet. They just kind of give you the little bits of information and let you piece them together. Thank you, show, for not insulting my intelligence. Well, and they drop you in it like you don't need to be introduced. You're dropped into it like the character, because the characters already know what's going on. That's you just come in with them. Mm-hmm. Because character is, I think, the most important thing on Gildoys, right? Maybe. Um, I've seen you with your hand up for a while. Um, just the comment about the one uh, in the first episode, uh, Johnny said, who says I'm involved? Right. <laughs> yes. right. Right from the get-go. Right from the get-go. Yep. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, when you think of what uh, Johnny's relationship to his brother Devin and what his relationship to Josh is probably because he wishes he had had his sister as opposed to his brother. Yeah, with the family dynamic not working well. Yeah, he, he was saying that his relation, Johnny's relationship with a, a Dutch, suggests that maybe he wished she had a sister rather than a brother, because his relationship with Davin is not as on strong a footing. Way in the back, sir. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting characters. I mean, is the main three, but I think one of the most interesting characters is Potter. Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Potter, Potter, the doctor. Potter, the drug addicted socialite, manipulative Yeah. Yeah. What did what did y'all think of of Potter's storyline? I, I think as and Chris said it earlier, they introduced her much like a lot of the other characters. Oh, here's stereotype. Here's here's the doctor that's going to be around to save them from all these deathly wounds, but there's a lot more to her, like you said, the the drug-addicted princess. I mean, it's really what it is. Um, so we're getting more of that feel for them. So that made her much more interesting when I got to see a lot more of her. I'm talking about how she's you know, basically being aware of having a thing for broken boys or whatever. What is it that? Broken boys? Is that what she called yeah. Davin and something like that? You know, yeah. But basically being aware that that's a pattern that she has. and it's. It, I find her very interesting. Yeah, she's a she's a fully rounded character um, that I really enjoyed learning more about as the show went on. I'm really curious what they do with her next next season because of the situation and her choice to stay stay in Old Town, stay in Westerly when all of that was happening. I thought was uh, really really great. So we're gonna see what that happens. 
Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I think a first impression we have of her was like, oh, she's this person. I think they revealed that she's from Crush pretty early. And we think, mm-hmm. oh, she's from Crush and she's here on Westerly. She's this do-gooder. And then when I, you know, she's talking to Jack, to Johnny about having her addiction, she's like, I'm not really a good person. Like, I got exiled. But what does she do in the final episode? Yeah. She stays, even though she didn't have to. She could have escaped on Lucy. Uh, you, sir. Okay. So we all know that uh, John wants to protect... Dutch. Yeah, sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> no, not a dragon con on Sunday. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're all alone. <laughs> and that's apparent. Vice says we can just leave and get away from Barney. But then, how do you uh, find the character development in your opinions that it was actually due to him taking the kill warrant on his brother that Klein came after Dutch? Yeah. Well, I know you don't know what I mean. We know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've been given an insight on that. But yeah, Dutch knows. That was a Davin knows. I don't. Does Dutch know? Yeah, Dutch knows. Davin knows. Johnny has not been told yet. Okay. That was a real heartbreaking moment for me when Klein made that kind comment about, "Oh, I knew she was ready when she took this kill warrant." I was just like, "Oh." You know, I I had kind of a mixed feeling on that because I got the impression, and this is just from the way he said this in that final episode when uh, he was talking to Davin, I'm saying talking, um, to Davin, uh, where he knew that it wasn't Dutch that took out that warrant. He, He knew it wasn't her. He knew that she didn't intend on killing Davin ever when she took that warrant. Well, when the warrant was taken for her. But he had to go get her anyway. So that makes me wonder if that is not a Klein... That wasn't a Klein choice. If Klein couldn't make that choice himself. If that was someone pulling the strings for Klein that we will see more about in the next next season. Because I do get the feeling that even in a sociopathic kind of way he cares about her maybe just because he needs her to be alive well, he's a tool <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, what, in what sense many ways yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, you had your hand up for a little while oh one was about the things that uh, Dutch and Johnny because we find out super early when he says he's talking at the bar He's like, you know, eventually I'm going to have to make a choice. And he's like, it's already obvious. He's already going to choose her. And they've both done that. Where, like, even in emergencies, they both go back to each other. Because that's their family. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great scene with uh, Pri and (coughs) Johnny talking about Mm -hmm. what what he would choose. And he was like, does that make me a bad brother? And he's like, like, well, it makes you a really really good friend. Yeah. Right. Better way to look at it. Uh, Care? one of the things that I really like about the show is how candidly they deal with a lot of really taboo and big issues like addiction and PTSD and, I mean, honestly, even um, the, you know, the genetic bomb, the genocide, and, the, you know, what's, where are they going to take that? So, I mean, they're very candidly dealing with a lot of social and mental health issues that a lot of shows wouldn't. Yes. So I guess to do that. 
Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate how casually they've, they've had sex workers in the show. It's like not a shameful thing. It, it you know, it, we have a character and who's very sympath- harem girls. sympathetic, yeah. you, you know, it, I, I appreciate that. Johnny, yeah. And it's, yeah. It, yeah. and she's yeah. his friend, you know, yeah. and yeah. She and she has a husband and it's not a big deal. And <laughs> Right. Defending that's the right choice for these girls. That's what they want. Right. I like the fact that she didn't come around to them. Like, she didn't really get it in the end. But at the same time, she's like, okay, this is your choice. This is what you want to do. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. ma'am. Uh, I'm just wondering about where the story would go with that Koresh uh, politician. Yes. Delsea. Delsea Kendry. Can you explain that? That was a character yeah. who I did not... Think anything's gonna happen on the one time, anything's gonna be important at all. Uh-huh. And you know, said she was. She, she was asking about uh, Delta Kendry and what we might see from her because she wasn't expecting her to be an important character, and then she popped back up at the end and was. Oh yeah. But they did end that episode with her telling her guard, like, find out everything you can about that woman. So there were hints that she was gonna show back up. Yeah, I'm curious about her connection to the level six Killjoys, because it it seemed like they were kind of doing some work for her, or was she doing work for them? Like, she has some sort of connection there, so it's like, are the, are the level six Killjoys, do they have some obligation to, like, the nine and the company? What is the relationship there? It's really intriguing, and I, I, potentially, and I particularly enjoy the, uh, and there's all sexual tension between Delsea and Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh. Yeah, that was kind of what I was actually going to ask. Is, so you've got the rack, which is apparently bigger than anyone anticipated for level six. And then you've got the company, but it doesn't look like the company is actually running the rack. So who is bankrolling for level six if the company isn't making... Because it doesn't seem like most of the company was making use of the level six, or somebody would have... Checkmated, or at least stalemated, that Delisea Kendry before that. So who's bankrolling the rack? Who do we think is, is running? Not so, or not so the much the rack, charge. but the level yeah. the section program. Yeah, the rack is in charge. That's what to say. Yeah. The rack is making all sorts of dough off the kill warrants, probably, yeah. so. Do we think they are? Do we think the rack as a whole knows about this? Yeah. Or do we know? <laughs> like the people it's compartmentalized. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. Because Turin doesn't know. Right. And so I can't imagine the entire rack knows because he seems fairly high level for a non level six killjoy. But whoever the level six works for. Do y'all have about level six? Do y'all on the on the panel do do y'all have any theories about level six killjoys that you're just itching to share? No. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what they reveal about it, but no, I don't have any theories. The, the board. No, I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. We had that at the end because we see where Davin is with the level six killjoys. What are they doing to Fancy Lee? Yeah, uh, <laughs> we see also the Red Seventeen, which was brought up yeah. in the Glitch in the yeah. System episode. Yeah. We've also seen both Klein and the other killjoy that was at Delsea's party whatever thingy yep. uh, seem to be pretty impervious to pain yeah. Yeah. more so, than human more, more than, than human. human so is it like the nanites that we saw used in the torture and glitch in the system are those mm-hmm. infused in the level 6 killjoys maybe or like an even better technology well That's it has to be with what uh, when Dutch stab Klein right like in the gut. Five times in the gut. And he He's barely like, went. He didn't even he, wince. He no, he stabbed in the eye. The guy stabbed him. Yeah. Doesn't even wince. 
Um, I have no Look idea. At this man in the back here. So, what's your wish? Going around the panel, what's your wish list? Oh, what's your wish list? Everything. Just like one or two things, because I know you probably have a long list. <laughs> Such a long list. I, so, I, just a couple of things. I would love to see some more backstory on, on, Davin and Johnny's childhood, because we've gotten a couple of, a little bit of that, but not a lot. And I would love to see backstory on Klein. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, and that, that, those are my two big wish list things for, for next season. There's a lot of big stuff going on, but what I really want to see, I want to see more of Bellish. Because I think she's awesome. <laughs> a Bellish picking up her gun again episode would be amazing. I know. The, the broker? Yes. The warrant broker? Yes. yes. Right. The Dutch's sort of mentor. Mentor who is not Klein. I mean, two of the things that we haven't mentioned yet for me. One would be I would love to see Lucy get some type of embodiment or on-screen thing. Yeah, Avatar, something to be a little more than just the voice, because there's a lot there with Johnny and everything. Uh, and the backstory stuff, I want to see that scene. That's of weird, Kevin. Uh, you know, I wasn't going there, but that's okay. I understand. <laughs> It'll be out there on the web, I'm sure. It's probably already out there. It probably is. Uh, I definitely want the, the backstory of Dutch in the bloody wedding dress. Yes. Yes. Yeah, besides that one, something I really, really want is I want a storyline for Pre, because while he was there and he was amazing and he had great scenes with people, he didn't have, like, a through arc for the season, and I think he's fantastic, and I really want him to get some character development next And he season. always looks amazing. Always looks oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. Oh, what did so he good. say? You know you know, Daddy likes some jewelry? Is that what yeah. he said? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, My favorite tweet from him was about the, uh, the, the blue Smurf deck. Sarah's covering all those Twitter stuff for us, so <laughs> do tell. No, it was essentially someone asked him where the lipstick lipstick came from. Uh, I forget which episode it was, but he's wearing blue, like yeah. neon blue lipstick, and, and uh, Thomas at Thomas's what's his last Thomas name? Allison. Allison. Tom Allison. Tom Allison. His response was something to the effect of, "Oh, you know." Smurf might have been involved. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you with your hand up for a while. Okay, so I want to go back to Klein and what is, uh, when the full warrant was done, uh, the full warrant was done, and he said that Dutch was ready. But when he talked to Dutch at the end, in the last episode, he told her she would need her people around her because he had plans for her. He groomed her for this time. And I was wondering if you guys really, you know, thought about what was going on the show. If if his plan is to take down level six, hmm. because perhaps a little out of his sort of boy and their what they're doing. There's so much politics going on, but you know the, the direction that they're going in may not be the best one. And he's been grooming her all this time with a heart. She's not heartless. Dutch is not heartless. Dutch is, like you said, a very caring person. She just healed. She has a conscience. So I was wondering if that you guys thought about maybe that was one of what perhaps was one of the things we wanted to happen. Her pulling down level the, the level six or like seventeen. Well, he's he's obviously got some big plan. I mean, we all kind of see that, but. 
the thing that got me kind of stepping back going, okay, I think I need to know more before I start, you know, thinking I know what might be coming is when, it, when he had that beat down on Davin. And Davin kind of said, well, just kill me. And he's like, well, no, I did that before, and that didn't go well, meaning Dutch's husband. I have something else in mind. So it looks like he's turning him into a a level six to maybe motivate her. I I am thinking that it's that idea, something on the lines of he really isn't the bad guy we think he is. He is trying to – maybe the level sixes are corrupt, and he wants to undermine the system. Potentially, because he sees Dutch groom, but he's so he is though. I mean, <laughs> that's where we see a villain maybe turning. But they've done such a good job on all these other things that uh, I'm sure many of you. Yeah, things are not as they appear. Yeah, that's why I say things have not been as they appear, and they're doing a great job there. And this is where this show, while we all probably love many shows, this one totally begs a rewatch if you haven't already to really make sure there's other stuff we haven't missed. I also think there's a little bit of self-preservation in what Klein is doing with Dutch. Um, and I got that from the, the line, the re- repeated reference to the bear and the wasps story. story. Yep. And, and when Dutch says, when he's putting around the shuttle and he's like, you remember the first time I talked to you when, uh, what was the moral of that story? And she says, they save each other in the end. And so I think that's coming back. I think Klein is expecting Dutch to somehow save him, um, and and he needs her for that. And I think that's going to be something we're going to see as a reoccurring thread, especially because they've brought that story up multiple times. I'm also curious about Klein and his fear of the genetic bomb that we saw, because he was very scared of that, and we've seen it be deployed but I don't know if that's what he was scared of it being used for or if he was scared about it for another reason. So I'm curious about that for him as well. I think you've had your hand up right here. Oh. <laughs> okay, you think. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about how the show turns stuff on its head, but one thing that has not been mentioned that I would be interested in what you guys' thoughts about is normally in shows that have brothers, it's the younger brother often that screws up and makes a lot of mistakes and the older brother has to do all the fixing and clean up the mess, but Killjoys has flipped that around where Johnny is the one cleaning up after Gavin all the time. <laughs> what is your take on that? Yeah, Johnny's totally the nurturer of the entire show. And it was kind of interesting. Um actually for, for Kevin's podcast I got to do the sci fi media call before the season started. So I had no context for a lot of what they said. But um Luke McFarlane and Aaron Ashmore, who play Davin and Johnny, were talking about how something that they sort of had in their minds as maybe some backstory that wasn't wasn't anything that they were told by the show or wasn't in the scripts was, I think Luke mentioned that he'd kind of thought that maybe their father basically beat Davin, but, but not Johnny. And maybe that's part of what the conflict is between them. And then Aaron Ashmore said, said something, but we never talked about this, but I was kind of thinking that too. So and I think after seeing the season, I think there's a lot there to support that idea. So I think maybe some of that is involved too, that, you know, because Davin was sort of acting as a protector of Johnny, Johnny then becomes the nurturer to everybody. Yes, sir. Okay, talking about turning on its head, uh, most of the show using secondary characters as a tool to present the primary characters. However, this is the first show, I think, 
or one of the first children, or even the secondary characters is important to the story. Uh, and they become maybe probably protagonists in their own ways. Um, what do you, do you think it will sustain that force for, for secondary, even what we would call secondary characters in normal circumstances? The cop uh, from the, I'm sorry, I'm really bad with names. The cop from the uh, planet, uh, the priest, uh, the other characters, which, again, normal circumstances, they would be the secondary characters that will come in, show something about the main character, and then go away. They continue doing so. You think that this is what will, will grow, shrink? Well, I think... You know, very much, and we can use Fancy Lee as a situation where that was something who could have been just a two-minute scene in five or six episodes, but they actually gave him almost his own episode fairly early. So they're willing to pull those folks forward. Uh, so I think that line between secondary and main, while we do know we have our three or four, I'm going to include Lucy, uh, mains, <laughs> that they're willing to give it. So I think now that they've got a second season, I think there's a very good chance that some of these other folks, Potter and other people, we might see very strong chance of a way to pull them in even more. So that's the good writing, to make those characters the point that most of us, even if we don't know their names, we know exactly who they were and what they meant going in. So I think it's very much done a good job of it's not a here and there, it's more down where they're a lot closer because of that. It is really interesting to me because they, they did flesh out those characters and go to the trouble of giving them their own storylines or even just hinting at the fact that, you know, here's what's going on in their lives and, you know, they yeah, clearly, Alvis has some sort of mission that he's on, and we don't fully know what that is, but, well, you know, they're hinted at and given full lives outside of their roles in the main characters' lives. And, you know, we saw that scene with Potter and Pre, where they're saying goodbye, and, you know, it's nice. <laughs> That's all. No, it's, it's, I don't know if I necessarily have anything to add, but I do agree that we're probably going to see more. I mean, if you take, uh, Dark Matter, for example, in that show, you've got seven primaries, if you count the android, uh, which I think you should. Because yes. Awesome. Yes. In um, this show, you've got three, and I think they kind of make up for that, three, four, um, uh, and they kind of make up for that by having these really involved secondary characters that I think they will continue to build and develop. And I hope they do, because it's part of what makes that show, the show so amazing. Because you could have an, an entire episode, which Dutch and Davin are stuck on a ship, and Johnny is in a bar with surrounded by secondary, secondary characters. characters mm -hmm. And it'd be probably one of my favorite episodes of the, of the show. Yeah, like two of the leads get the B plot. One exactly. lead goes off with the secondary characters and has a great A plot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since we've brought her up twice, but we haven't really talked about her much, I just, I love Lucy. I, I'm like, because I've seen shows with, like, talking computers or ships before, and they often get annoying. I'm looking at you tomorrow, people. And, <laughs> and uh, not the old one. I haven't seen the old one, but the new one. The new one, he was annoying. But, uh, but she is just, I feel like she's used so perfectly. And we have this humanized mm -hmm. character, because, like, the episode where Johnny gets stabbed... And she just finally says, like, John, I don't know what to do. Like, I yeah. shuddered. I, like, uh -huh. I, I was, like, my heart broke for Lucy. Tears. <laughs> she has some of the best lines of the entire 
show too. Asking <laughs> imminent. <laughs> and that's the Shut up, Lucy. Shutting up. <laughs> she doesn't even say that much, but almost everything she says is really memorable. And yeah, yeah she's incredibly well used. Actress who voices her has come to know that she doesn't really get a lot of context for her lines, which makes the delivery so much better. <laughs> she's. She Just saying them, not knowing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tamsin McDonough, she's delightful she's, on Twitter. Yeah, if you don't follow her, her. Right. she's very nice. I don't know who to pick. Um. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about Lucy is that her, is her relationship with John, and the irony is, it's such a shit. Yeah, I, I love the when in Glitch in the System when she goes back to the ship and Lucy's like, I can't let you in containment procedures. Johnny's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Automatic override. <laughs> She doesn't have a favorite. I know. She claims she claims not to have a favorite. She's like teachers. <laughs> She's like writing Johnny plus Lucy forever in binary. <laughs> I don't think you've had a chance to ask questions. Yes. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Michelle Labretta definitively said nothing is going to happen between Dutch and Johnny. She said there would be no triangle between Dutch, Johnny, and um, Davin. And if you've seen Lost Girl, which is her first show, having a non-romantic friendship at the core of her show is something she likes to do. So I really don't think there's going to be anything between the two of them. I think it's more just like she said, people's expectations that a man and a woman are eventually going to sleep together. I actually read a post on Tumblr recently where they, she described Johnny and Dutch as uh, they would rather simultaneously projectile vomit than sleep together. And I tend to agree, but I don't know. Do y'all, what do y'all think? Well, see. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm definitely right there with you. That that would it would be a disservice to the show to have them sleep together, too. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice. That's a great spot here, and and another show. If you watch it, that also is excellent. There is Sleepy Hollow. Great dynamic of leads. That it's not a romantic thing. It's rare to see it done well. So I I, I hope they don't go there. Who hasn't said something? Yeah, yet? who hasn't asked? And it's Ray some people. In the- on the back of the camera. Gray shirt? Gray shirt, yeah. You, sir. You, sir. Yes. Nope, no, you, yeah. you are in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go back on what she said. It's like, yeah, I love that scene in the bar, and I had to rewind a couple times when Johnny's sitting there, and he's like, my brother is <laughs> my, my sister. sister. Yes. <laughs> and like, that was so funny. <laughs> He warned his brother, but he didn't warn Dutch. <laughs> but I think it's because he knows Dutch, so, you know. <laughs> well, I feel like that would have been kind of a jerk move of Johnny to be like, yeah, he can't sleep with him. I don't know. I feel like as, as anyway, sorry, that's kind of hard. <laughs> yes. Just to follow up on that, I mean, just because, you know, there's no romantic feelings for them, that's what's great. It doesn't mean he can't be really jealous. If, yeah. if he thinks that something's going to go on with them, because you can have, you know, 
if you have a good friend and, and all of a sudden it looks like all of a sudden they're hooking up with somebody else and you think they're not going to care as much about, you know, that, that like that's, that's a very. Yeah. It's not the love triangle he doesn't like. It's the fact that someone else now close to her and he thinks it can only go wrong. I mean, I've how been can referring it, how to can it, it all help? season as the trust triangle. Right. Oh, that's, that's, a good, yeah. that's a good Anybody who hasn't said anything yet? Dennis hasn't said anything yet. Dennis. I should disagree because Johnny actually says to Davin about how Davin, Davin screws everything up. Mm-hmm. And he has to fix his own mess now. He's not going to help him. I think that's really why he's mad about it is because Davin is now sleeping with his best friend and he's going to screw it up and hurt his best friend. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think you've said anything yet. Um, we haven't really talked about it, but what I found really fascinating about the show was outcome from fighting to each other. Oh, that was oh. rough. It's such a trope to have the whole program makers, you know, it's not the fault. We all know it's the fault. The actual fallout, the actual yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. It, was like, it wasn't glossed over. Trust and no trust. I was really worried when I saw that episode. I was like, even with you guys, I mean, they beat the hell out of each other. It's like, oh, we're fine. It's like, it's like I want to see like, some trust issues afterwards. And they really nailed it. It was uncomfortable. And it was like, I don't know. I've just never seen it before. And I love that they were really sort of mature and self-aware about it, which I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this on television before. I'm like, yeah. What's going on? People acting like, like it, adults. <laughs> Anybody else who hasn't said anything yet? But then you could you can forgive. But I, yeah, and I think that's what, that, that was what made it tough because she's, because she has that line about how if, if that wasn't the case, I would just beat you up and move on. Yeah. But because she knew that, it made it all that more complicated. It's like, I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the situation. Yeah. yeah. But there's nothing you can do. But you're still it, the so. face of the person who beat me up. Yeah. Yeah. So one stop bites you. Stop. Well, issue. Trust me. Yeah. Right. Or any dog if you're young enough. Yeah, and also not just a, uh, not just that they addressed it from the plot point of view, but the the little trick that Don, Johnny pulled with the whole machine where they had to answer honestly, and that last question where Dutch couldn't say yes or no. That was an honest answer for a change instead of just turning it into a plot item. Uh, in the back, you had your hand up. Did you want to say something? Uh, well, the discussion was gone. I'll say Everybody was all big on on Johnny being a nurturer and everything like that, and I agree. But uh, I just have to remind everybody that he did run out into acid rain, drag a guy back in, and then shoot someone in the head with a gun. In the most caring way possible. Yeah. No, that's that's a very true point. You know, we do tend to. To gloss over some of it. And I thought that was great, though, because you, you feel like, oh, you know, this turn from Don, from Johnny, what does it mean? Do I want him to go down this darker road? Or Yeah, yeah I thought that was a good moment. He was upset about it afterwards. Right. Yeah, he was uncomfortable with it. It wasn't just, he didn't just slouch it off. And the people who, who he shot were going to kill the other people, the innocent people in the bar, or relatively innocent. Really mad. Like, that was Johnny pushed to, I think, his breaking like, point. Yeah, that, that he, he was no longer willing to try negotiation. He went to, he went to violence first. But he did try every possible negotiation first. I mean, and he was facing a situation where he needed to defuse it because the the company people were knocking at the door, and if they came through, I imagine there would have been a lot more civilian Carnage. casualties yep. because that was going to just be a firefight. 
I thought that was a nice pairing to the scene in the first episode where they're facing the monk who had stolen the something, and Johnny's trying to talk him down, and then Davin just shoots him in the head. <laughs> yes. So I, I like that the, it's kind of like a compliment to that, I thought. This job alone tells you he's got the potential. I mean, yeah, he wouldn't be able to do that job if he couldn't choose to shoot it when right. But obviously, I, I think for Johnny, you know, he goes for negotiation first and violence second, so, yeah. She has had her hand up forever. Oh, well, I was going to ask you, do you think Civil War is coming? Kind of like a Dominion, but something has happened, and now so many pieces are going to be in play. Do you think there's going to be like a Civil, civil War? Somebody's going to kind of cut rise to the top and take over... I, I don't know. I have a. I, since did, they, uh, did y'all oh. hear that? No. She was asking if there, if we thought a civil war was brewing. I'm kind of. I mean, that my instinct would be to say yes because we've been introduced all of, no, not introduced all of them, but the concept of the families. But then I keep telling myself, but the show, time and time again, keeps turning the stereotype on its yeah. head. But is so, it going to be between the families, or is it going to be a class war? Yeah. Well, I think they're going to have something going that makes it look like. Uh, it's it's more traditional in that way, but that we're going to start to see the Klein and other people have got this have stakes. Yeah, three, yeah, three, yeah, three. So I just think they're going to. Yeah. Okay. I think it remembers Sims, Kendry, and something else. Anyone else have any thoughts? Yeah. Any other thoughts on Civil War? Well, we just saw a coup. It's true. <laughs> a really good one. <laughs> so, than that. it would be interesting because you do get the impression, at least from Delcea Kendry, that, um, that she was helping create the unrest in Westerly, which led mm-hmm. to the up, well, which didn't, which led to the riots, but there really was no uprising. Um, which led to the bombing, which led to this kind of excuse. So, so it, it are the people in power creating a social dynamic that would lead to an uprising that they can use to mask something else. Something else. And, and that would be something really interesting to see. I don't know if that's what they're doing, but that would be really cool. That's what I think. There are so many machinations going on in this show. I hesitate to make any predictions about anything. <laughs> I don't know. You mean the genetic bomb gun? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who did end up with the genetic bomb gun? Well, Delsea. Delsea. Delsea used it. She used it. Did she run away with it? Yeah. I don't know if you use it once and then it's that's it. No, you can use it once and then it's already been used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but was that the same physical item or were there, are there like or four there of those in existence or yeah. something? Yeah. Also, I have a question on that one. Do you guys think that there's a range on that? Oh. Or is there not? Because mm. because they brought it to the place. If they just needed someone's genetics and just yeah. set it yeah, off, would why have, would they bring it to... Gotta have a like physical a radius. Radius. Gotta have a range. Yeah. They did say you have to introduce the genetic properties to assign the family, right. so you don't yeah. Have a drop of blood or something. Yeah, and and the people, sorry, and like <laughs> the the when it was used the first time, like people outside the barn were killed. So it was it has something of a radius, but a, yeah. maybe not a huge one. Mm-hmm. That's why you do it at Did that remind anybody else of that episode? I think it was Fringe with the like the white supremacist guy who yes. made the candles. Fringe. Yeah. Anyway, yes, sir. I think that kind of goes back to what was mentioned back here about whether or not Klein was trying to 
down um, uh, level six. Uh, I, I think actually it's quite the opposite. He's trying to the rack honors contracts. They um, they believe in structure and order and obligation. And what's happening is the Niners trying to renege on a promise that they made. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. this yeah. they want to them, and it did. It's what they're attempting to do because it just undermines everything they stand for. Just like real life. Like, yeah. 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 But you also have the parents trying to not honor like whatever generation. The level seven. Which is supposed to be coming up. Yeah. I think it's the seventh. I think it's seventh. I was thinking it was like, am I getting it confused with the detergent? I think that might be in play for everything because whatever generation number it is, it's coming up. Like those children are going to be able really soon to get this thing that their parents and their children are there. Because that's a social tool that kept them in their place on Westerly during their jobs, and now they're going to actually have to pay off and they don't want to. So is that a factor into why they're doing this? Was there anybody else who hasn't said something that wanted to make a comment? I actually have a question for the panel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody did raise their hand over yeah, there real quick. Over there. I just want to say, for Klein, I mean, he did not age at all when she was a little girl. So if it's preparing, but it's also something age, we have no idea how old he is. Wasn't he also sent by her father? Yeah, he says that. It, yeah. We don't know. And I just... We have no idea. We don't know. And I've seen a lot of people theorizing that Klein might actually be her father, but I, I kind of don't want that. Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of cheesy, too. Did you have a question or a point, sir? Do we know how she got Lucy? No. No. no, no, we don't. No, nope. we don't know how she got Lucy. No. Which is interesting. I, I wonder. So I think maybe it was Chris that maybe it belonged to her I dead did, husband. I, I floated the idea that it was part of, yeah, her, her royal contest. wedding or something. Like maybe since, cool. since she flew off in her bloody wedding dress and Lucy. So <laughs> that would be really cool. And then <laughs> okay. Well, nothing else. You have to hear the phrase again. Don't be a killjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't be a killjoy. It has a new meaning now. No, it means a lot more than it ever used yeah. to. Sir, yes, you have a question? I was wondering if anybody has talked to maybe the showrunners to see if there is a projection on how long the show might go, or if they know what everybody's end game is. You know, we've talked about all the machinations that are in process. If you take a show like Game of Thrones, I think there, there's a whiteboard in George Martin's basement that has everybody's endgame and how the plot ends for them. Do you think that exists for this show? Are they going to try and drag it out in four, five, six seasons? I, I can't claim to know that. Uh, I don't. In a couple of interviews. Yeah, I haven't think. I don't think I've read it in an interview. I haven't yeah. seen anything though. No, I mean she's she's Michelle Loretta has talked about how it is a rich universe and they have lots of ideas, but I've seen no specifics on we have a five year plan or a three year plan or anything like that that I've seen. No. I mean, even early on, she did an interview um, where she said, "This is either." Davin's season arc or his series arc, and I don't know. And so, uh, uh, so I think it's probably really hard to say if they've got anything planned really far out because they don't know the status of the series in advance. So, so everybody keep watching and get everybody else to watch. So yeah, we can keep <laughs> yeah. what's going to so happen. We'll, keep playing. we'll find out. Summer. 
<laughs> oh, is it going to stay? Summer? I don't. They know. haven't announced they anything announced beyond it. the renewal at this point, so we'll have to wait to see. I don't think they said in the renewal order how many. So ten. They said ten. Did they say ten? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Likely a summer show. But Orphan Black's in like April anyway, and it's ten. But I want to say I read an interview with Michelle where she said that she'd already kind of planned out like three seasons worth of story. Okay. Okay. Um, and so she was hoping that, you know, she would get the three seasons, at least the three seasons to tell the story that she already has in her mind. Could y'all hear that in the back? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've only got about two minutes left here, so we'll get to all the questions, folks. Um, She's been patiently holding her hand up. Okay. I wanted to go back to the person over here who talked about the triangle. Um, the writer who does, I think you guys have said her name several times, and it keeps getting my head. Michelle Abrea? Yes, for, um, cause, cause this show has background in, in Orphan Black and, um, Lost Girl. Lost Girl? And Lost Girl loves to play with the triangles that don't break, no, no, break <laughs> the assumption that triangles have to be about sex and romance. And, like, we have a three-way triangle going on with people who see each of those other people in different ways and have to learn to live together with it. Yes. And with, like, it's not the traditional Yeah, because we, we have John romantic. who has the bitterness with his brother but loves him and the new family. Yep. We have yeah. Dutch with the one person she can rely on and the two people who both aren't good at relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one more. Maybe one more. Comment. Real quick comment. You pick Kevin. Oh, yes. No pressure. <laughs> You're in charge. Costuming. Oh, Costuming, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Okay, this show is beautiful. Like, yes. yes. And I love that it's colorful. It gets a little boring sometimes. I think a lot of sci-fi tends to be really bleak and going to say. gray, yeah. and this is bright and pretty. Yeah. One last point to everyone, just a reminder that if you have the smartphone app, please rate any of the sessions you attend. Feedback to the con is important. That's what it lets the track directors and the con know what to do. So please share your thoughts, and we appreciate you all coming out today. And don't forget the Lymphoma Society donations. Yes, donations. And sign up for Game Show Throats. Thank you for coming. Thank you, folks. Thank you so much to Francie, Denise, Richard, Catherine, Katie, Aaron, and Simone for sending us donations recently. And we do this podcast for fun, and it will always be free, but there are costs involved in producing the podcast. So we really, really appreciate it when folks are willing to chip in and help us out. You can visit askgenretv.com slash support for links to donate and to support the podcast in other ways. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Send us your feedback to killjoys at askgenretv.com. Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Or you can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the quad. 